special live episode of Wrestling with the Future. I'm Angelo DiCipio, joined by the happy haberdasher, Dan, the man, Sebastiano. Dan, did you miss me? Oh, you know, it wasn't the same without you. Take a vacation. I'm you, you went on Only vacation. Thing I can think of. Uh, back to you, Angelo. I, I didn't get a phone call. I didn't get a postcard. Uh, the, the Navy wouldn't tell me where you were. <laughs> We have a hell of a show tonight, brother. We have not one, but two amazing superstars. They are really amazing people. The return of the most controversial man. They call him the most controversial. I like Vince. He's a great guy. The return of Vince Russo to Wrestling with the Future. And Vince, you are the reason for this show tonight, and you know it. And uh, you didn't think I could pull it off, brother, but I had a little surprise for you. I knew Stephen Plim. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, when you uh, sent me that email that it was a go, uh, yes, you caught me by surprise. And But I gave you my word. I said, if you deliver, I'll be here, and here I am. Yes, sir, absolutely. And Vince is a, a man of his word. And the gentleman uh, that's the all the ruckus of tonight's show is a man named Stephen M. Plim. The M stands for money. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Stephen. Uh, I know Steve Plim. He's a great guy. Uh, there's something else that uh, a lot of people don't know about Steve Plim, unless you're in show business, for 25 years. He was the best friend of one of the most enigmatic, uh, entertaining, uh, misunderstood, controversial people in show business, a gentleman named Tiny Tim. Incidentally, Steve Plim was also Tiny Tim's manager. Babysitter, <laughs> chef, order taker, the guy that tucked him in at night. <laughs> you ain't kidding, baby. I heard you see me. Let's let's, uh, let's talk about this because, as I said, uh, you know, Vince Russo uh, put out a challenge to me on the episode we did about the Beatles, Paul McCartney, and uh, he said, and I quote, and there were many many thousands of people who saw that show, and they heard Vince Russo utter these words. If you get Tiny Tim's manager on the show, I'll talk to you for five hours. Are you kidding me? Well, he gave us an hour tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get panicky. Uh, five hours. <laughs> oh, God. But I say when somebody says Tiny Tim, Mr. Plim, when somebody says Tiny Tim, I stop everything. Everything I try to spread the Tiny Tim legend to all my listeners. Uh, I became infatuated with Tiny Tim at the age of seven years old, and wow. I am still infatuated by Mr. Tiny Tim to this day. Unbelievable. Way to go, and thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. And you are here, Steve, because of Vince Russo. You really are. The one well, the, hey, I wanted Vince, to thank you. you. I've got to thank now. you again, pal. <laughs> no, well, I, I wanted, you, I wanted to talk to you. Um, you and I have had a lot of conversations about Tiny and other people, but tonight we're going to focus on on Tiny as a person, as as the man. Um, you know why I like that, by the way, Angela. You know why I like that. That's why I wrote the book. A million people could go to a library and look up facts and figures and write a book on Tiny Tim. I didn't yeah. want to do that. My book is based on the 25 years I knew him, yes, but the five years he and I were together, behind the scenes, what really went on. And that's the difference between my book and others that may be out there. 
And the book that Steve refers to, I'm holding in my hand. It's called Mr. Plim, Tiny Tim and Mr. Plim. This is the book. And when I'm finished with it, I promise to send it to Vince Russo. Very so nice. Vince, I, I, I did read, though, Mr. Plim, I did read Tiny's autobiography, the, uh, the what troubadour? Um, Ah, what am I looking uh, That's not his autobiography. A different author wrote that, uh, The Troubadour. I forget his name. Because um, he's quoted a lot in that book. Well, I don't know the author. Oh, it's Justin Martell. Okay, okay. Wrote that book a couple years ago, I think. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fairly recent. Right. And uh, I haven't read it uh, because I just don't want to read it. My... Yeah. It's a very touchy thing with me because a lot of people said, well, you, Steve, in your book, you didn't go through all his music, his albums, his past. And I said, that wasn't the purpose of my book. The mm -hmm. title of the book is Tiny Tim and Mr. Plim. It's right. our story all behind the scenes that nobody else could write about or tell except me. So that's why I wrote it. Now, that's the difference between whomever may write a book on Tiny Tim and exactly. my Exactly. Vince, when did you first become aware of Tiny Tim? Oh, man, bro, I'll never forget it. Um, I, I really won't. Rowan and Martin laughing, man. There you go. Uh, uh, there was Dan Rowan and Dick Martin. Yeah. Uh, Dan Rowan and Dick Martin. Dan Rowan made the big um, introduction, and Dan, uh, uh, Dan Martin stood there as Tiny came on. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. I, I, I think it was 68, if I'm correct. That's right, 1968. Yeah. I had never seen anything like this in my life. Nobody so, had. So, yes. And, and I will, I'll and tell you something has about since. that. And nobody Vince, has since. I'll tell you something about that, Vince. The, the man uh, sitting just above you on my computer screen knows a lot about that because he was there. Dan. Dan, the man was there. No, Steve Plim. Uh, oh, Steve. Oh, the bottom of you. Okay, Steve, yeah. Steve Plim. Uh, now, Steve, let's. Uh, we, this, uh, part of this story ties into George Slater. Let's talk about George Slater's involvement. George uh, Slaughter. Uh, yeah. George Slaughter was the creator and executive producer of Rowan and Martin's Laughing. There you go. Which was the most unique avant garde show mm -hmm. of its time. 1968, and he worried, and, and, and by the way, George wrote my uh, forward to the book, and yeah, I thank sure him did. a million times, you know, he's a genius producer, I mean, everybody knows him, you know, and uh, he wrote my forward to the book, and uh, he had to hide Tiny Tim from NBC, because, as he tells me, uh, the show was so weird and avant-garde for its time anyway, he was scared what NBC would say, man, so... Digby Wolf was his name. I never met him, but he was a, a writer and producer, that kind of guy. Brought Tiny Tim in to, to George Slaughter two or three days before they were going to go on the air and said, you got to listen to this. And they said, no, no, we're busy. We're busy. And he, he insisted. And Tiny comes in <laughs> with his weird costumes on and he has a, a shopping bag and he pulls a ukulele out. And he starts singing. We have so, a... Uh Steven, we have a phone call coming in. Oh, cool. Caller, are you there? Yes, I are am. Are you there, caller? 
Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Ask your question. Steve Plim and Vince Russo were here talking about Tiny Tim. Uh, is Mr. Plim around there? Mr. Plim is here. Kurt, is that Kurt Dixon? Yes, it is, Mr. Plim. How you doing? <laughs> hey, baby, I love you. How's Florida treating you? It's doing well. It's doing well, Mr. Plim. Oh, my God. Hey, you guys. This was my business partner financial business partner with Tiny Tim back in the day. I love him. Kurt Dixon. Don't tell the date now. That'll tell you how old I am. I'm telling well, you. It's been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> Kurt, you finally tracked him down to get your money back, right? <laughs> oh, I tell you what. I Every time I talk to him, I figure it's going to cost me more, you know? So, <laughs> I didn't know if I should make this call or not, to tell you the truth. I was thinking about it. Well, you're going to get a bill for it, I'll tell you that. Oh, am I really? You know. No, I'll tell you what. That's Steve, I'll tell you. I, I, I had talked to you not too recently. You were work, still working on your book, book weren't you, on uh, the new book you've got coming out? Yeah, I have a new one. I'm about halfway through called Catch a Rising or Catch a Fallen Star. That's my new book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about that uh, in the show as well, Steve. So, Mr. Uh, Mr. Dixon, Mr. Dixon, it is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, give me a little insight into this guy, Steve Plim. He's a. Uh, uh, he's uh, I've described him in in the lead up to this show as uh, the last of the characters, the last of the great showbiz characters, <laughs> the fast yes, talking, he's... smooth talking manager, agent, you know, chicky baby. Let's do lunch. I'll have my people call your people. That's it's, Steve uh... Flynn. He's the real deal, though. Yeah, I love this guy. That. He still takes a hit of that cigarette and says, who loves you, baby? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, you know, exactly. Hey, uh, Curdy, you know, I only smoke and drink on two occasions when I'm alone or with somebody. That's it. I, <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, Mr. No, Dixon, thank you for, for calling in. That there, There's a question you have. Uh, fire away. Well, I was just, I was just uh, wanting to see how Steve's doing, and I was... Uh, I go back a long ways with uh, Steve as far as Tiny, so I really don't have a lot of questions with Tiny because we we go back for all the all, all the traveling and that with Tiny and that. I pretty much. Well, I'll tell you Tiny. what. Then um, we have a gentleman on my show tonight who was uh, a um, a mainstay in the world of pro wrestling, but he's also a huge Tiny Tim fan. His name is Vince Russo. Vince, you want to ask Mister uh, Dixon? Uh, anything about Tiny Tim? Something maybe someone doesn't know. Well, I want Mister. I want Mister. Uh, 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 Flim to finish that story first, because I don't want him to. To he he was in the middle of that story. I want to hear the yeah. end of that story when Tiny Tim performed to the uh, NBC executives. Yes, absolutely yeah. for sure. Just, well, he he didn't he didn't so. he didn't perform for the NBC executives. Okay, they okay. hit him. In fact, they costumed him, and how they costumed Tiny, I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> but they hit him because they thought, oh, my God, you know, we're going to get in trouble. But, uh, in fact, Schlatter said to me they kind of chastised him after Tiny came on the show, unknown, and all that kind of stuff. But after the ratings, NBC came and said, you were right. Let's go, baby. Let's go. That's amazing. 
remarkable. And you know, the rest is history. You know, the, Rowan and Martin, absolutely. George Slaughter and Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In made Tiny Tim. And right. George is so kind. He yeah. said, "We were brand new." Slaughter says, "And he helped make us too." Yeah, I mean, it was a perfect marriage. Absolutely. Well, Mr. Dixon, I, I thank you so much for calling in. You've uh, you touched base with Mr. Plim. Uh, I'll make sure that uh, that he stays in touch with you. I sure appreciate it. Listen, thanks, Tim. Thanks for coming on the show. You have a good evening. You guys take care, and thanks for having this show. It's, it's great. Thank you, sir. Thank hey, you. Thanks, I love you, baby. Hey, you take That's good. Hey, yeah, our first call of the night. Now. Um, Wait, let me let me let's, ask. Can yes, I ask so, Mister Mister Plim, you were there that you were there that night of the performance, correct? Where? At the uh, Ronan Martin. Oh no no no, not at all. Hell, I was eighteen years old. Okay. Do oh, you? I'm sorry, Steve. I thought you were there. Oh, you no, were no, at no. the. Wait, I was it a time. reunion? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you and I talked way. about you and I talked about Rowan and Martin privately. Yeah. Was that a reunion show or a reunion event? That, yeah, that was a reunion. That was okay. I'm sorry, Vince. My, my, 90, my mistake. That was in '93, I think, when I was managing Tiny, and uh, uh, Mr. Schlatter called and wanted Tiny. We had every star in the world there. Schlatter did. We we did it at the Lowe's Hotel in Santa Monica with NBC. We stood. We stayed there for three days shooting. Every star in the world was there, and Tiny was the biggest star of all. Yeah, at six foot five, he probably. <laughs> oh my God! Let me digress yeah. just for a minute so we get the history right, okay? Sure. Uh, in 1968, when he went on Laugh In, right? I was 18 years old, college student, had a rock and roll band, right? And uh, I sat at home with my parents and watched Tiny Tim, as millions of others did, and I laughed. I said, "Who is this clown?" Who the hell does he think? Oh, my God. Right. So absurd. I laughed at him. I admit it. Uh, just like a million other people. Right. And uh, how did I know that three years later I'd book my first job with him and we became friends? It's just weird. Life is weird, isn't it? Now, how did that happen, Steve? Well, uh, in uh, 70, 71, I started my first entertainment agency. And I had a lot of bands playing in the Midwest and so forth. And I wanted to break out and I wanted to have somebody big. You know, I'm thinking, I want, I called Tiny Tim's agent. And I want to book Tiny Tim and it was in Waterloo, Iowa. Get that? Waterloo, Iowa. At the Red Carpet Inn. I'll never forget it. And I was so proud. I could, you know, because we watched him uh, married on the, with Miss Vicky on The Tonight Show. He's a giant sure. star, right? And I booked him. And I was so proud. I took my mother, my father, my wife, and whoever else would come. We went up there, and that's the first time I met him and uh, watched him perform. And my God, what a show. I blew my mind. Every conception or preconception that I had went away. I mean, what an entertainer. What a singer. And the falsetto thing with Tiptoe is just a gimmick. I mean, what a baritone singer. And he sang yeah. all the songs from the 20s and 30s, you know, and he knew all the artists. He, he, just wonderful. And so uh, I went in the, I was his agent for that gig, right? So I went in the dressing room and we talked. And as we talked, we talked. And, and then I brought my mother in to introduce and she loved him. And Tiny takes off his tie. I'll never forget it. 
and he signs it to my mother, to Miss Betty. She had it wow. till the day she died five years ago, you know, in a big frame. And from that point on, guys, we became friends. And then later on, I would do productions and so forth, and I would hire him to be my special guest at sports shows and so forth. We became friends, and on and on it went. There you go. Amazing. Vince, in reading uh, Stephen's book, I came across something I want you to pick up on. It says, during the years I was Tiny's personal manager, we shared a lot of ups and downs and hairpins turns that made his uh, incredible life. And he was the most fascinating, loving, charming, honorable, hard to figure out, multi-talented, dysfunctional and misunderstood person <laughs> I've ever met. When I read that, Vince, I thought of another guy that you and I share in common, Andy Kaufman. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. So let's talk about why, what was it that, that Tiny just, he, he, what's the word I'm looking for? He gravitated toward or, or captivated people. What was it about him, uh, Stephen or Vince, in, in your opinion? Vince, well, let me ask you as a fan, Vince. What was it about Tiny that drew you to him? Just an absolute, I saw at it as an eight-year-old kid or a seven-year-old kid, actually. No, uh, 68, no, I was seven. I, I saw an absolute one-of-a-kind character, a character. And that's the thing that fascinates me, uh, Mr. Plim. It's a little like wrestling. The whole idea with writing is wrestling is you want people to watch this show. And is this is this real? Is that is this guy really like this? That's that's what that's that's the seed you have to plant. You ain't and kidding, that, man. You ain't exactly. kidding. He captured the imagination. They didn't know what he was. That's exactly it. So you're watching this guy and you are so, you know, mesmerized. And and so again, it's like, is this guy for real? Like literally, does this guy walk around like this? Does this guy talk like this? I mean, so that that's that's the appeal. I mean, off the bat, the mystique of yeah. oh, is this guy for real? You are so right because I had to find out. I had to. I had to find out. I, I mean, I was just driven to it. And the more we talked and the more we communicated over those early years, right? And again, I would hire him uh, as a celebrity guest host at my sports shows, okay? And we got to know each other really well. And it wasn't the music, okay? It was the guy, the real guy. I mean, I had to know what he was. It, 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 we, we just meshed. All I can say, I don't have another adjective or adverb to put. We just meshed, and it was uh, a love friendship for 25 years, man. That's remarkable. Um, Vince, I got to tell you, there's a connection, something I want you to, to explore with me. Tiny Tim appeared on the WWF, WWE Raw. Yeah. 1993. Yeah. Uh, it was an episode of Raw. I believe it may have been. I'm wanting to say, Stephen, I'm wanting to say Madison Square Garden. You know what? Now, let me tell you something. Brain cells. We were either in New Jersey, but I know that Vince McMahon and his wife and me and Tiny ended up at the Garden for dinner. I can't remember where, whether it was in Jersey that we played no, or the probably, Garden. 
you probably they probably were at the Manhattan Center because that's that's where ah. Raw originated from the Manhattan oh, I got Center. You. You're yeah, ninety-nine point yeah. nine percent sure that's where they were. I think you're okay. right. Yeah. Right. Vince, do you have any recollection of, of how that came about? I mean, you were with them at the time writing? Bro, let no, me yeah, you. I was his manager. And Vince McMahon called me and wanted him out of the blue, you know, wasn't solicited, and uh, wanted him on the WWF wrestling. And I just went, oh, my God, what? That was to me, <laughs> excuse me, but so What? Because I picked, you know, I didn't know wrestlers or anything, right? And I'm going, all these macho strong guys, right? And Tiny had uh, somewhat of an image of uh, being gay or effeminate. And how is he going to mix with these guys? And Vince told me, fine. And he put us up at the Plaza Hotel. We went in. We did a great show. And let me tell you something. What a wonderful reception. I worried about nothing. Every one of these wrestlers were so kind to him. And so helpful. I couldn't believe it, man. It was like a homecoming. Like they knew him all his life. I was so happy. Vince, talk to me about uh, your, your uh, in, uh, knowledge or involvement or uh, uh, participation. You were uh, uh, writing the magazine or writing the I was, show. At I, the wasn't, time? I wasn't there yet, bro. Are you kidding me? I never got to <laughs> meet the man. I wasn't there yet. I, 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 oh. I, you know, I saw it play out on television. But I was not working for them yet. Oh, I thought you came aboard as a writer around then, maybe 93, no. 94. 94. 94, I realized. Oh, 94. So that, that gotcha. was before I was even there, yeah. Oh, but I got you. Man, because you bring up Andy Kaufman, if you remember, on, on Raw, Jerry Lawler interviewed. Yeah interviewed tiny tim so you know lola was the connection there with uh, andy yeah. kaufman and i'm sure you know knowing jerry lola man i'm sure he he must have been a huge fan of tiny tim jerry lola loves that stuff he was and i'll was tell you i'll tell you something else straight shoot i knew andy kaufman oh i didn't okay yeah That's i've awesome. talked about it on the show many times right dan oh yeah dan you've been very quiet tonight well, you know, I got shut up and speak. Look, look at all these uh, all these excellent voices. I was actually hoping to expand on, on a question Vince asked. You talked about the character and building characters. Yeah, there's an old saying in wrestling that the best characters are yourself turned up to 11. I was yeah. wondering if you could maybe go into more detail about where the line blurred between what we see on TV and and Tiny Tim behind the scenes. Boy, that's a loaded question. <laughs> Is that for me or? Yes, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, Tiny Tim, guys, the eccentric, bizarre, and all that, we all know that, but he was a real dichotomy, okay, in, in another way, okay? His sexual appetite was unbelievable beyond description, okay? It's in my book, and I could have wrote three books just on that, okay? Yeah, he's not kidding. And then his religious and spiritual thing, man, you guys, and I write that in the book, was unbelievable. I couldn't believe, like four or five times a day, guys, he would have to go to his room or wherever and meditate and pray. I mean, I don't care what was going on. If it interviewed with, interfered with an interview or what, he had to do it, okay? However, on the other side of Tiny, he loved the girls and the younger, the better. And that almost got him in a lot of trouble. You know, he didn't know the difference. See, see, 
this guy <laughs> was from Mars, man. I mean, I don't even know, okay? But he just loved women. His sexual situation was, uh, Mr. Plum, I don't know how you men do it. I can last maybe five minutes, maybe. <laughs> how do you do it for an hour or all night? I don't understand it. And then he would have a situation with a woman, right? And come to me or call me at four o'clock in the morning, okay? <laughs> and beg story. forgiveness. No, I'm serious. Let me give you an example, guys. You're gonna <laughs> shit your you, you shit your pants on this one, okay? I had a birthday <laughs> I had a birthday party for him. It's April twelfth, and I always would have a birthday party, no matter where, right? Uh, we happened to be in Des Moines at the time, so it was convenient. I had everybody come over to my home, you know, maybe sixty people, dinner party, the whole thing. And Tiny would sit in this, we call it Tiny's chair, a white leather chair that I bought just for him because he loved it. And he'd sing to everybody. And it was his birthday, right? So everybody's, he's opening gifts. He opens my gift. It was a joke, okay? I brought him, I bought him a blow-up doll. <laughs> a urethane blow-up doll for a joke, right? He opens it up. He goes, oh, my God. Mr. Plum, this is wonderful. Oh my! And he just went crazy, right? It's a joke. He didn't get it that it was a joke. He he thinks this is like real or something. Fo follow me now. Watch this. P.S. The party's over. Four o'clock in the morning. My my phone rings. Right? I'm asleep, half drunk, asleep. And it's T.T. And he goes, Mr. Plum, I want to tell you. I can't thank you enough for the urethane doll, the beautiful doll. Oh, my God, what a gift. Oh, I blew it up. And Mr. Plum, I had sex with it in any, every orifice that it had on it. It was wonderful. I've oh never had God. such great sex because there was no complaining. There was no talking. It was just wonderful. And then I realized how I had sinned. Mr. Plum, I sinned. I took the scissors out. I cut it up. I chopped it out in little pieces. I threw it out my hotel room. Click. Oh my God! <laughs> I swear to God, you can't make this shit up, like you said. Yeah. You Bro, can't you, make this shit up. You saw, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Plim. I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a very big Howard Stern fan, and the tiny interviews were the best, far and away. And everything you're saying, you could see that through the interviews. He he was. He was being him during the interviews and he gave you a little insight and you could see, I think this person you're talking about came out because I would, I would guess Mr. Plim too. He had a little bit of a drinking problem. He yes, liked, he did. He liked his That's alcohol, it. didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's not drinking like most people do. Okay. Look, Bush beer was his favorite. Bush beer. I would buy him a case at a time. You know, he's a germaphobic. He had to have <laughs> a can wiped off, yeah. a straw out of a cellophane, right? And he put it in and he drank beer out of the straw. 12, 14, 24 cans at a time while he's singing to my friends. And, oh you know, my and then he gets loaded as hell, right? And laugh all the time. And as people laughed at him, he laughed at himself. He was just a good guy, man. He was a good soul. But yeah, Howard Stern loved him. Oh and yeah, they they had great great chemistry many many times, many yeah, many times. Great chemistry. The only time uh, Stern and I had a problem, okay, was I was talking about doing a movie, right? 
Tiny Tim movie based on my book, right? And I put out there and I told who, because everybody said, who could play Tiny Tim? I said, well, Howard Stern. And he went, what? I said, well, look, you got the New York mentality. You've interviewed him, you know him. You got the long curly hair, you got the nose. You could play Tiny Tim. He took big offense at that. Giant wow. offense. Oh, God. You know. You know, Mr. Plim, that's a great thing that you bring up because I know there was like for a for, for about five minutes, I know there was like a Broadway play about Tiny for like, you know, I mean, very, very brief. That is the one guy that I think there should be a movie on. Like, what? why has that never happened? Well, it's my fault, I guess. I went for it for a while and uh, failed. And then other things, life takes over and children and so forth. I'd still like to do it, of course. But no, I, I failed at doing that. And I really hate myself for that because I believe it would be a wonderful movie. It would draw in not only the baby boomers, of course, but it would be a crossover to today's people. And they'd see what it was like then. And Tani can relate to so many people on so many levels, especially today. You is, know? It, is it too late for you to uh, go forward with that? No, not at all. I'd love to. And I'm admitting to you, I dropped the ball. I dropped the ball. Okay. And uh, I just, hey, anybody out there wants to talk, I'd love to do a movie based on Tiny Tim and Mr. Plim. I think it would be a hoot. Okay. So if any got any ideas, here I am. Mm. Vince, it's all you. Go ahead, brother. Mr. Plim, were you there at the end for uh, Tiny? Yeah, we went, uh, again, friends for 25 years and in and out of all kinds of different deals and shows and so forth. The last five years of his life, that's when I took over management because everybody screwed him over. Everybody, agents, managers, screwed him, abused him, right? And he's going down the tubes. He's playing for shit money. And I said, okay, look, we're, we're, we're in a limo one day. <laughs> I said, look, I'll, okay, I'll do it. Let, let's, he said, seriously? I said, come on, man, let's go. And I resurrected his career, and I'll tell you how. And it was very simple. But guys, everybody laughed at me. I had the last laugh, and so did Tiny. But check this out. We couldn't get a hit record again. His career was going downhill. He was playing in shitholes for no money. He wasn't on national TV anymore, okay? He was depressed and sad. But he kept it up. He kept going. You know, he's a worker. And uh, I said, he's still in Manhattan, right? And I'd lived all across the country, but I had moved back to Des Moines at the time. And I said, I called him one day. I said, Tiny. Well, no, it was in the limo. We were talking. I said, Tiny, I'll manage you. Here's what we're going to do. Better than a hit record. We're going to move you to Des Moines, Iowa. And I'm going to put press releases out to the world that you, Tiny Tim, the most eccentric, bizarre entertainer of our time from New York City is moving to Des Moines, Iowa? Are you nuts? People will go crazy. They'll come out of the woodwork, I promise you. He didn't hesitate. Mr. Plum, if you say so, I'm with it. However, my own family, all my friends, my peer group, they said, you are absolutely out of your effing mind. What are you doing? <laughs> well, guess what? It worked like a charm. Leno was back. Uh, we had uh, Larry King. Uh, everybody called. 
All the networks called. Every show called. You know why? They couldn't believe it. So I got that platform back of national exposure, see, just by moving me into Des Moines. And I had TV crews walking and following them all, all over the city, right? And it made national news everywhere, worldwide news, right? So now the engagements start pouring in, right? Because he's on the news, he's you know, and he's yeah. on Leno again. He's with Larry King on the 15th anniversary of Larry King. I mean, he was back on top and he looked at me one day and he says, Mr. Plim, you're wonderful. There's a woman involved in this that uh, we must acknowledge, Stephen. Uh, you, you and I spoke about her privately. It's, uh, a young woman named Miss Sue. Yes. Without whom, Tiny, and, and quite frankly yourself as well, without you and Tiny, I mean, without you and Miss Sue, Tiny would probably have been uh, broke, drunk, destitute, at the mercy of slimeball promoters yeah. that would use his once great fame for their own benefit. Talk yeah, to they're me all dogs. They're this, dogs. The, yeah. Talk to me about the, the hidden gem called Miss Sue. Okay. I called Miss Sue <laughs> Tiny's 401k. You get it? Yeah. Because she was. She was loaded. She came from a very, very wealthy family. I mean, tons of dough. And I'll never forget it. It was Tiny's birthday on April 12th. And I have a house full of people, like usual. And Tiny's late. Finally, he calls me. Mr. Plum, I'm running late, but it's going to be okay. You have no idea who I met. I met this wonderful girl. Her name is Miss Sue. And he'd whisper, because I could tell that she was listening. He'd go, Mr. Plum, she drives a gold Mercedes. A gold Mercedes, Mr. Plum. <laughs> He says, you have no idea how much money she has. He says, I'm late, but do you mind if I bring her to my birthday party? I know you haven't met her, but do you mind? I said, for Christ's sake, just get here. Everybody's here. We'll meet Miss Sue. Right? They show up. She's weirder than weird. She's wearing a mask before, it was, before Michael Jackson did. Okay? <laughs> and with a cane. She had every malady, she said, in the world. And all she did is talk about her sicknesses. The most boring person I've ever met in my life, practically. And I take Tiny in the bathroom and go, what the hell are you doing? He goes, Mr. Plum, I think I'm in love. I said, I know you're in love. You're in love with her checkbook. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and you know, it's the, the wink in the eye that only he and I knew. Yeah. And I would press him on it, and i go, you know that's what it is. And he'd go, oh, no, Mr. Plum, oh, it's not that. <laughs> well, we both knew it was. But, yeah, that's she was loaded, crazy. and he knew, and he was sick and getting older. He was yeah. diabetic. He'd never go to a damn doctor, okay? And he knew that this was his way out where he could live nicely yeah, and not have to perform very much. And the irony is, he died on stage November 30th, 1996, singing for her and her mother's hoity-toity friends in Minneapolis. Yeah. Singing, tiptoe, and croaked right there. And yeah. the, irony, the irony of that is, 
he and I used to laugh and joke all the time on planes and talking. You know, I go, Tiny, you know, you're going to die singing a medley of your hit. <laughs> a medley of your hit. Yeah. Tip. And he goes, you think so, Mr. Flem? I said, I know. So. And that's exactly what happened. Isn't that weird? Yeah. What can you say? But that's what Good. happened. It's all you, brother. Who, me? So, all you, Vince. Yeah. Vince. No, I, I, I want Vince to have at it. This is... I. I promised Vince. You, you heard Vince. the man. Yeah, well, Mr. Flim, I know because he, 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 he was talking about it on Stern. You know, I mean, I think his last appearance on Stern was like literally maybe eight months before he passed away. He was having heart problems. I right, mean, he, he had a heart was, attack. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was talking about that on Stern, and you could see he was very, very, um, very concerned about that. But, and the uh, thing is, though, you know, Tiny would talk about that all the time for years. I'm going to die here. I'm going to die there. I'll never see another flower bloom. You know, he's always into that death thing, right? And I'll be in heaven with the Lord and everything will be okay. Uh, so after a while, uh, you didn't even really listen to it because he talked about that all the time. But there, it, okay, then in Boston, he had that major heart attack and uh, not soon after. And he said, I, I'm not going to live. I, I think his quote was, I won't, I won't be alive for six months. And he wasn't, he died. Yeah. Now, Mr. Plim, were you around him or was this a little bit before your time? You might've been around him during this time. Um, I'll never forget to growing up, uh, New York, you know, of course, we're fans of the same thing. And somebody who was red hot at the time was Morton Downey Jr. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and Tiny went on there and kind of got railroaded by Morton Downey Jr. Because that was Morton Downey's shtick. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, to railroad like Tiny Tim of all people. Like, it's like railroading, you know, uh, St. Patrick for crying out loud. Yeah. But he railroaded him and he started, you know, grilling him about like abusing Miss Vicky. Because I know, you know, that was the story that she was telling. And I mean, out of nowhere... Morton Downey Jr. just kind of was drilling them and drilling them and drilling them. And the one thing um, I'll never forget about that interview was, you know, Tiny just answering every question, regardless of how rude Morton Downey was being to him, just to basically, you know, not only number one, clear his name, but you in many interviews with him, even on Stern, Man, he always wanted to set the story straight because there was a lot of shit talked about him. And, you know, he never danced around anything. He always seemed to want to be set to set the story straight. You're so but, exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. But that interview with Miss Vicky, listen, I don't know what happened behind the scenes. I wasn't there. But that that topic really seemed to affect him greatly. They did not. I know they had a daughter out of it, Tulip, but they they did not have a good relationship following the divorce, did they? No, they didn't. In fact, you know, Tiny was not. An, and, and listen. When he told me to write the book, if he passes, he says, tell the whole truth, hold nothing back. And I haven't, okay? Tiny was not a good father, and he admits it, okay? He didn't really like children. Even my son, right, and he was around me a lot, he'd be very polite and everything, but we'd have conversations, and he would say, Mr. Plem, it's hard for me to be around children. And I'd say, why? And here was his answer. 
check this out. He goes, they know too much. Mm. <laughs> can you dig that? Yeah. And you can read that in a million ways. I said, really? He said, they know too much. He was not a good father and he wasn't good around children. He'd be polite and everything, but it wasn't his bag. That's for sure. Did he, but, men, did he mend the relationship with his daughter before he died or not really? Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. Uh, Miss Vicky, okay, uh, and that was the most famous, you know, they had 45 million viewers yeah. for the wedding on The Tonight Show. And now check this out. When Carson left, the night he left, you'd think that would be the biggest, right? He had something like 37 or 38 million viewers. Nobody ever to this day has topped Tiny Tim's ratings on The Tonight Show. Can you dig it? That's crazy, man. Isn't that it's crazy? Yeah. yeah. And it's, that's a fact. Mr. Plim, did he, he just seemed like, gosh, bro, he, he just seemed like underneath it all, there was kind of a lost soul, uh, a guy that was really misunderstood, a guy that, you know, was kind of a loner. I, I'm just curious, did he suffer a lot with depression? What you just said, those two words, you couldn't have said better. Lost soul. He was. Okay. He loved people. He loved life. And he was as honest as you can possibly be. And like you were referring to earlier, he would go on and on as the, like Downey or somebody is insulting him. He yeah. wanted to set the record straight. You know, he's just a good guy. Right. Do you know how many times, guys? Okay. When I was managing him, okay, we'd go here or there, wherever it was, Vegas, whatever. And wherever we're going to be, you know, I'd get a million calls. Can I interview? Can I interview him? Can I interview him? Right. So I'd pick and choose. You can't do them all. Right. And when the reporter, the press got there, they're all nice and kind and complimentary. Okay. Until the red light went on. And then they wanted to be, uh, make a story. Okay. Yeah. That's why Tiny hated the press. He hated the press. He couldn't stand him because he knew every time he got in front of that camera, no matter how nice they were before the red light went on, they got to want to go, are you queer? Are you gay? Uh, who did you do this to? I mean, I can't remember a nice interview. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you know how many times I had to do this? And I did. And I saw it coming. They're all nice. You think, they think you can't see through them, right? Yeah. And they'd start out very nice and then they go for the kill. You know, I'm going to make a story. I'm going to make a name for myself, right? And I would just stop the interview and I'd go, fuck you. <laughs> Done. Over. Get the fuck out. That's what I do. Yeah. Just fuck them. You know, sorry for the language. But these guys tried to bastardize him, right? And he was used to taking it and going on and on. I stopped it. No more. Steve, I, I have a question. I'm sorry, Vince. I just want to jump in real quick. Steve, I got a question. What do we know about the way Tiny grew up? What kind Pardon? of like what kind of kid was he? Oh God. Do we well, know of course anything I wasn't. about his because I, 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 I'll be honest with you, I can find very little, you know, to support his childhood, you know, his, uh, 
from, well, from the time he was an entertainer on, pretty much. Yeah. Angelo, the only thing I can tell you, and I did write some of this in my book, is what he told me, because obviously I wasn't there. But he was a very silent kid, Brooklyn, New York, stayed at home, listening to uh, old LPs from the 20s and 30s. <laughs> yeah. Okay? And yeah. growing his hair long when everybody had a crew cut, right? And that kind of thing. So he had no friends. He stayed in his mom and dad's house. And uh, the, uh, the mother was domineering and tried to tell him what, and the father was sympathetic to him. Let the boy go, let the boy do what he wants to do. Okay. Yeah. The thing that the thing then that took him over, beside his music that he loved, right, and just listen, he eats hours a day listening to old LPs. You know, uh, big sports fan, Brooklyn Dodgers and all that. He knew he was an encyclopedia, guys. Yeah, you probably already know that encyclopedia of who's who in baseball, averages, names, where they came from, how much money they made, their batting average. Yeah. I mean. God, he'd blow people's minds, right? So that was what he did, as he told me, when he was growing up. And he'd say, all the other little boys laughed at me because I was different. And uh, he had a hard childhood, guys. He had a hard yeah. childhood. It you know? sounds like it. I, I'm sorry, Vince, to interrupt you. Go ahead. I forgot what I was going to ask now, Angelo. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you know, you know, you, Stephen, you just mentioned something that, that Vince could pick up on. You talk about, uh, you know, growing up around the other boys. Um, Tiny did talk about his boy experience. Uh, Vince, do you know that story? Yeah, I got to tell you again, man, I can't. I, I got the, the, his, the book is right outside my office, the Troubadour book. Man, that was something that the author of the book really got into and not in a derogatory bad way. I mean, this guy was not at all, um, uh, you know, mean to tiny, like at all, like at all. If he was, I wouldn't have read the book. I could tell you right now, Good. but yeah, he talks about this, that one experience tiny had where he had feelings towards another guy and it like really, really haunted him. And yes, he, exactly. it really, yeah. really, really affected his life. I, I was fascinated by reading that part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Tiny guy, Tiny told me that story one time and I'll never forget it. I picked him up uh, after a gig. We went to a hotel. It was, it was snowing like hell. And it was like three in the morning and we were sitting in front of the hotel till seven or eight o'clock the next morning. He was so sad and sickened by this. I don't know the proper word, but he was like questioning himself. And he told me all about it. He says he's never told anybody else and all that kind of thing. And we went back and forth. Yeah. And then surprisingly enough, and Vince, you probably know, uh, he let it out. Howard Stern got it out of him on the show live. Yeah. 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 And then after the show, Tiny hated himself for giving it up. But see, he can't lie. Stern knows how to direct an interview. Well, Mr. Plum, let me ask you this. Knowing him as closely as you did and being a good friend, like, why do you think that haunted him so? 
because of his spirituality and reading the Bible verse by verse all the time. Wow. And that's against God's law. Yeah, because it, it, I mean, it devastated him. Oh, it killed yeah. him. I mean, that was his biggest cross to bear, I guess, in all the years I known him. And he didn't tell me that till like way later, you know, as I was managing him, you know. Yeah. But then he lets yeah. it out on the Stern show, but Stern just kept pressing and pressing, not in a mean way. Stern right. knew how to get through to Tiny Tim. He did. Yeah. And finally, Tiny admitted it on the air, and man, it killed him afterward. Man, if you remember on the Stern show, I'll never forget one of the um, one of the moments where you know they had a good relationship and they had a good chemistry, and they both respected each other very much. And you knew how it was a Stern growing up, and you know, of course, Tiny would Mister Stern and Miss Quiv Miss Robin and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. But there was one episode, and I'm I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, Mr. Plim, where where um Stern was kind of like poking and making fun of God and Tiny oh, yeah. like went off the rails, like off, dead, off the fucking rails. Dead serious. His tone changed, the show changed, and I knew right then and there, bro, this is not shtick like that's serious serious stuff to him yeah so right because you, you can do anything with tiny like we've discussed and he'll go on and on with you except for that yeah yeah except for the good he Lord. was such a dichotomy steven he was a I know. you know he he was absolutely devout that's been known for a long long time what's also been known for for ages and ages, and anybody who knows Tiny Tim, he was also a, a walking horn dog. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and he admitted it. And that was like you said, Angelo. Dichotomy is the word. Horn dog, horny has to have it, but yet is sorry after he does it and goes and prays forever. Let me tell you a story, guys. Yeah, I this have a, before before you tell your story. I have to ask you a question. Sure. There's a guy in your book. I've got to ask you, Stephen, about Mr. Vincenti. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about Mr. Vincenti. Okay. And a paisan, Vin. <laughs> yeah, I know. And can I tell you something? I used a different name so I didn't get sued, okay? There you go. But he was Italian. No offense. <laughs> I take none. I'm good. <laughs> good. What me are you going to tell me? Tiny had mob connections now? Is that what you're going to tell me? Oh, a lot of them tried to come into his life. But no, this was at a club. Long story short, it was at a club. And, you know, Tiny was a horn dog. And uh, there were these two beautiful twins that worked at the club. And, I mean, on the scale of 1 to 10, they were a 20, okay? Really hot. Okay. And they were making overtures to Tiny and stuff. And Tiny's flirting and he's all excited. And he'd come to me after a show. Mr. Clap, I think these wonderful women love me. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Anyway, the night progresses and they come to him and they say, We're both going to do you tonight. <laughs> both of us. Jesus. At the same time, Tiny flips out. He comes to me, goes, "Mr. Plum." Now he's freaking. He goes, "I can only act. I can only last five minutes, maybe. 
what am I going to do? Oh, my. And he flipped out, man. I mean, the cat flipped out. And Vincenti comes over to me, a.k.a. Vincenti. He says, I know how to take care of a star. Yeah, I'll take care of you. I want you to come back here, run around. Tiny comes to me. We can't do this. And he's really flipped out like he's not even going to do the next show. And I said, okay, I got an idea. And I knew the band that was backing him up at the time. <laughs> uh, the drummer had a, a big trunk, and he, it was called Box of Tricks. It was written right on it. It was sex toys. <laughs> okay. And I had an idea. I had to, because you don't know how flipped out he was. I didn't even know if he was going to go on to the next show. That's how flipped out he got over this, right? Wow. I said, Tiny, I got an idea. I went upstairs. I got the drummer, right? And I found this great big dildo. Oh, God. <laughs> now, listen, guys, we've all seen him. And the nice thing is, this was still in the case, not touched. Oh, dear God. <laughs> and you know what it said on it? The Destroyer. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. I said, okay. And my mind went, my producer, uh, mind went, okay, ba 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 click, click, click. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I mean, like, in 30 seconds, I, I bring Tiny and I go, here's what's going to happen. See this? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I said, okay. I want you to go put on those white uh, cloth pants, cotton pants, those thin ones, because I knew, you know, when this, the uh, light came down, right, they're right on him, right, and they're very thin. So I said, I want you to put this and tape it, not to your underwear, because he didn't wear underwear, it was depends, right? So I said, mm -hmm. I want you to tape this solidly to your thigh, you know, your inner thighs, right? And your depends and let it hang down. He's going, what? I said, just trust me. You won't have to worry about him. Okay, Mr. Plum, whatever you say, right? <laughs> so, so he did it, right? <laughs> He's on stage. The spotlight comes on. He's playing Great Balls of Fire by Jerry Lee Moore. <laughs> Okay, that was the opening song. Oh, and here's this destroyer dildo hanging down almost to his knees, what everybody could see. And the crowd went crazy. They went nuts. People are screaming, laughing, blah, blah, blah. Guess what these two broads were doing? No way. He freaked <laughs> out. One of them I watched was carrying, you know, like the tray of food and shit. She dropped it, right? They went to Mr. Vincenti and they said, are you out of your mind? Ain't no way. Ba 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 ba. That's what Tiny. Oh, and by the way, the kicker is he's singing the song, Great Balls of Fire, and the dildo falls out of his depends, slides down his leg, and onto the stage. Oh. <laughs> Oh, never forget it. Like, Angelo, I love what you say in a lot of your bylines. You can't make this shit up. You, you can't. You really can't. Jesus. It's anyway, a, that, a got of, uh, it, that got I him out of... That got him out I encourage everybody. The book is Tiny Tim and Mr. Plim. Vince, I, uh, I promise you will have this book 
sitting next to the troubadour very shortly. I appreciate that, and I got to have Mr. F- Mr. Plim. I got to have you on one of my shows because we we've only scratched the surface. Here. Oh God, yeah. I, well, Vin, yeah, you, you don't, don't have to go away. Can Angelo give me all your information? Is that cool? Yeah, yes, sir. I want to say I want to say this too, because I'm going to recommend something else with that book because uh, Mr. Flim said this earlier in the interview. Man, Mr. Flim, a couple of years ago on Record Store Day, they came out with a live, I think I think it was Rhino, but they came out with a live Tiny Tim album. Okay? Yeah. A double album. Double album was Tiny Tim Live a couple of years ago. When you talk about that voice... Yeah. Bro, my, my wife, I've been married for 36 years. Tiny Tim has been a part of my life for as long as I've been married. I was playing the album on my stereo. My wife didn't even know it was him. I because believe you. He's singing in regular voice. Yeah. And holy shit, I, I was blown away by what a phenomenal yeah. singer he was. And and nobody saw that. That, that had to drive him nuts. Oh, yeah, you had to be at a show. Like you're saying, he was unbelievable singer, baritone singer, man. Oh, my God, bro. unbelievable singer. Yeah. Whose yeah. idea was it, Stephen, for Tiny to record Do You Think I'm Sexy? I'll the Rod Stewart song. I don't know. <laughs> I always answer truthfully. I've heard it. I Go don't on know. YouTube oh, and, and just search Tiny Tim sings do you think i'm sexy it is a trip it is a trip vince can you hang out with this or do you have to go brother i do have to go just because i got another podcast to do okay i i sincerely thank you man for uh oh no i thank you angelo for having me dan and mr plim i mean i i I definitely want to bring you on my show there's so many more avenues i want to go that i knew an hour wouldn't be long enough yes thank you so much for the invite and i'll be there anytime you like Okay, thank you. Yeah, Angelo, Steve, good. Yeah, I'll, thank I'll you. Send, I'll send all Steve's stuff to you, Ben. Okay, thank you guys very, very much for having thank me. Thank you. So this, Thanks for being on the show, yeah. you, sir. Yeah, Mr. Plim, this was an absolute treat for me. Thank you very much. Me too to meet you, Vince. Thank you. Okay. Good night, Vince. Vince Russo, everybody. All right, Dan, we're back. Back, back with Stephen Plim, Dan the man, and... This little wop from Jersey. Dan the man. Dan, by the way, I got to tell you, I love your hat, baby. Oh, thank you, sir. He wears a different one every show. I used to wear those years ago. I love that. I love that look. Well, I mean, I, uh, I, I have the mutton chops and a flat cap, so I'm nothing but with the times, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Steven, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. You know, good. uh, Little problem I told you off camera. My 17 year old daughter has uh, the COVID. Yeah. And that's not good, but she's a strong kid. I talked to her right before. Her name's Callie Reno Plim. She's listening right now. Terrific. And uh, she's fighting and she's going to be okay. God bless. Absolutely beautiful. Well, I tell you what, I wanted Vince Russo on the show. He. He asked me, he's the reason, he, basically Vince is the reason that I had you on. And I'll tell you why. Um, he's a huge Tiny Tim fan. Um, I can tell that, man, that's oh great. Oh, God, yeah, huge Tiny Tim fan. Um, 
And when we talked, I said, you know, I said, I know somebody. And I didn't tell him who I didn't tip my hat. You know, you never, all a good promoter never tips his hat. So uh, unless you're Dan, then you have a lot of hats to tip. <laughs> but here you go. Here comes another one. There you go. Hot, Dan. Oh, man. So, so I didn't tell, I didn't tell Vince. I said, if I can get somebody who knew Tiny Tim, will you come on the show and you can have at it? You can ask them anything you want. He said, if you get somebody who knew Tiny Tim, I'll, I'll stay and I'll show you the clip. He goes, I'll talk for five hours about Tiny Tim. Wow. And then when I confronted him when he says, I'll give you an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so you anyway. know what my mind, though, since he was seven or eight years old. Can you imagine yeah. that? Oh, God, you kidding me, please? And, and I'm uh, I'm a couple years older than Vince. I'm I'm like two and a half. I'm like three years older than Vince. But I remember, oh, my God, I, I used to love Rowan and Martin's laughing. So I, I. I loved, you know, and I watched. See, these shows aren't around anymore, Stephen. These variety shows, even like Dan, um, you know, were he not the smartest guy in the room, would never know about Mike Douglas and Merv Griffin. Oh, God. Oh, my, please, you know. The best. Uh, the, these guys, they were. Entertainment. If you if you were on the Mike Douglas show, uh, and you know, seen by 15, 20 million people at a time, mm -hmm. your your stardom was it was instantaneously guaranteed. It yeah, was like doing had, a shot with three, Johnny. You only had three stations. You only had three stations, really. Yeah, exactly, Stephen. You you had the uh, ABC, NBC, CBS. That was it. That was it. You know, see Dan back in the day. The talk shows were where you became famous. Exactly. You know, and then, because the, people don't understand this too, Stephen, that the late night talk shows is a fairly new thing at that point in time. Yes. Yeah. You had, you know, Carson, of course, but it was uh, Jack Parr before Johnny Carson. Yep. And Steve Allen. And Steve yep. Allen. And a lot of people don't know that. Yep. You know, and, and you know, few, Joe Franklin. My friend Joe Franklin, God bless his soul, started yeah. in New York City. Brother, I got news for you. I'm going to tell you something I never told you. Uh, people that watch this show, they know. I worked for Joe Franklin. You did? I did. Do you know Spats I was his, White? I was his associate producer. Do you know Spats White or Ornstein? Richie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. I didn't know that, man. That's great. Great history. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Joe Franklin was was Mr. New York. You know, it's funny. I had a guy on my show. He's a wrestling guy that knew Joe. Joe was a big wrestling fan, you know. Yeah. Big wrestling fan. And I had a guy on my show. Dan knows what I'm talking about. Bill Apter. And Bill Apter was a good friend of Joe Franklin. And Joe used to have me call people and prank call them. Because I used to, I used to do an impression of Joe Franklin. Really? I did. I used to call Can people. Can you do it go, for us? I mean, he was great. Yeah, I used to call people. And go, hello, my friend. Uh, this is Joe Franklin. Let me speak to my friend, my dear friend Tom Snyder. <laughs> and I would get Tom Snyder on the phone, and I'd prank him. 
Oh, yeah, I would do that with people. I'd, I'd get, like, you know, I would get, here's one, like you call an upcoming guest, call them at the hotel, and tell them their appearance has been canceled till tomorrow. <laughs> and they have to spend another night at the hotel. <laughs> You're a killer. Oh, you know, bro. I'm telling you. Franklin, man. Dan, this is... Uh, this is the, the Steve Plim is the last of the old time. Uh, I'm saying the old time managers, agents, you know, you're you are a dying breed, brother. You know, guys that they, they don't they don't look like you. They don't sound like you. They don't they certainly don't have your worth ethic. You know, that's the biggest thing missing now in entertainment management. Steve, I guess they call me they ethic. call me an anachronism, something from the past still living today. Well, it, <laughs> If I may, just from you know reading, obviously Angelo mentioned I'm I'm only 37, so a lot of this was before my time, and my study of history is really where it all came from. You know, you you talked about uh, the old shows. I mean, even as a kid, I loved watching the 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 old tapes, the Red Skelton and Ed Sullivan, yeah. and those oh even more God. than what yeah. was on TV now or then. Yeah. I mean, um, but I think one of the things I've got the impression from studying up on you uh, before the show is that's gone from current music is there's no brand loyalty you were not just a manager you were a friend and now you see you hear stories even high-end managers who are respected in the business go through clients like they change socks and exactly you can't get anything i mean you're you were telling us a story sitting in a limo with a drunk beaten down broken man and, and there's not a manager working today that would st have stuck by him in that he would he would have been yesterday's news and and move on to the next object and you couldn't, the, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're sorry for interrupting. You're exactly right. And sadly to say, because it ain't the same today, baby. All they care about is the broads and the dough. Okay? Yeah. And there are no morals. There's no real friendship at all. It's just, hey, baby, how you doing? Yeah. Where's my check? Where's my check? Yeah. Well, you know, Stephen, one of the things that was different with you with Tiny is that you handled one client at a time back then. You handled Tiny, and that's who got your attention, and that's who got your, you know, your dedication and your time. Mm -hmm. Now you got guys that are handling eight, nine, you know, rotating a, a, a revolving door, you know, uh, a, a revolving Rolodex of clients, eight, nine people. And they can't give five minutes to anyone. No, they can't. But, you know, on the other side, I must say this. So many of the entertainers today, they don't give a shit either. How exactly. much money can I make? Where am I at? You know, they have no loyalty either. Well, you, you see that with the uh, in the social media age, especially with digital music, where musicians with net worths upwards of 10 20 million complaining that the music industry is just not fair anymore like you know you, you millionaires bitching like they they can't make any money in the music industry spoiled yeah. brats <laughs> spoiled brats right exactly yeah. and exactly. they think they paid their dues no they didn't not like yeah. we did in the old days you know what i mean yep yeah uh, i i there was I mean, loyalty there was friendship there was camaraderie every Everybody had dinner together. Everybody knew each other's family. Yeah. You know, you didn't leave. Absolutely. You, you know, that'd be like screwing over your own sister or something. You, you, you stayed together. Did you have fights and problems? Yes. But you stayed together. Well, I think what, what 
jumps out at me the most with the evolution of the music industry is how many record labels and managers and whatnot manage competing and rival acts people who they they counter almost conflict of interest production you know where bands like if you book one band you can't book the other ever again i mean the manager doesn't care he makes money no matter who wins that battle but i you know obviously there was no rival for tiny tim back then but you you wouldn't in no way have ever managed somebody that would make him look bad by booking them as well no not at all And, and and so many agents and managers today they play the game. They, they they all want certain names on their roster, and they call their clients. And if you buy this one and this one at this price, I'll give you this one. It's like extortion. I got news for you, Stephen. It happened, and Dan will tell you, brother, it happens the same way in wrestling as well. Exactly the same way in wrestling. You know, yep. you sell your soul to the highest bidder. It doesn't matter how, forget loyalty, you know. Yeah. How many zeros are in the end of my contract? That's all. Exactly. And I got to digress just a minute, Angelo, on the uh, Joe Franklin thing. Yeah. You were talking about because he was such a great man. Here, (laughs) I'll never forget this. As many times, now watch this, as many times like I would have to call Joe about something. You know what he would always say? The first thing that he would say to me, I was just thinking about you. You were on the tip of my tongue. I swear to God, I was just thinking about it. So if you knew him, you knew he always said that. (laughs) And and he made people feel good. I said, really? You go, yep, I was just thinking about you. How are you? How's the kids? (laughs) That's a a guy guy. who knows the game. But but that made him endearing the people that that he... it doesn't matter if he met you for five minutes or knew you for 20, 30 years. It didn't matter. He was he was the same with a stranger as he was with a guy who he knew his entire career. Right. You know, and, and he used to he, he used to tell me too, he says, uh, I used to ride around in Manhattan for hours with Tiny Tim in a limo, just talking about music. Yeah. Just yeah. talking about music and artists and life. You know, he loved Tiny. Oh, yeah, he did, too. He, he was a great In man. In fact, I, I sent you, um, I actually sent you a clip of Tiny on the Joe Franklin show. I got it. You got it on your Facebook? Yeah, and thank you very much. You're quite welcome. And uh, I haven't yeah, seen that. Here's the thank thing. You. I got a question. Um, I'm going to switch gears for a second. I got a question about uh, uh, something that we touched on with Vince Russo when Vince was here. You know, Tiny was... Um, you called him a lost soul. And I, I have a feeling, though, that that lost soul didn't just appear. I have a feeling he's a, a guy that was for a long time trying to find who he is and who he was or who he wanted to be. Who was it that that gave Tiny Tim, or I should say Herbert Corey, yeah. the... Uh, you know the um the the shot in the ass if you will to uh to step out of his shell and it even go for something like performing on a stage because at first glance steven a guy like tiny tim he is the most unlikely guy to succeed at anything that's why he but succeeded that, because he was the most exactly. 
unlikely guy to he was an anomaly. There was no one like him. I mean, before Kiss and all these other groups had makeup on stage, Tiny did it. Okay. Yeah. Tiny was real from the get go. Um, completely, totally honest. Could laugh at himself, even if he didn't get the joke. Yeah. He was just, you know, but the lost soul thing. Okay. And Vince said that, but I agree with that because he, he hurt a lot. One time, <laughs> laughing in the car, Mr. Plenum, thank you for being with me. This is my 102nd comeback. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, though, that made his day, okay? Because I'll never forget this. Uh, you know, he signed with Reprise Records. Sinatra owned that. Yeah. And he, Tiny, was a big fan. You know that, guys, of all the crooners. Oh, God, sure. You know, I mean, that was his thing. And especially Sinatra and Bing Crosby, right? He had yeah. a thing, too, Stephen, for Rudy Valley. What was oh, that? Oh, God. Rudy Valley. I'll never forget this. Rudy Valley. Rudy Valley's wife. We were at the Ru uh, Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel where the first uh, uh, Oscars were. Oh, yeah, done. sure. And she, we were there, and she brought Tiny his coat wow. for him. And uh, Tiny cried. Wow. Right. And we were in the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel where the first uh, Oscars were performed with all the pictures around and we're standing there. I got chills. I mean, I got chills, man. That's wild. But uh, I was going to say, one yeah. of the biggest highlights, because he was telling me one time, when he signed a reprise records, you know, Sinatra owned it. I said, now we're just talking, you know, over drinks. And I said, did you ever meet Frank Sinatra? He said, oh, yes. I said, well, God, tell me about it. I want to hear about that. You know, I love Sinatra. Jesus Christ. You know, he goes, well, Mr. Plan, here's how it happened. We're in the same room in the studio. And I walk up to Mr. Sinatra and I say, oh, Mr. Sinatra, I love you. I used to watch you with all the Bobby Soxers, all the girls fawning over you, killing you. Oh, my God, you were so unbelievable. And he, Tiny went on and on and on. And when he got done, he goes, Mr. Plant, Mr. Sinatra looked at me, put his hand on my shoulder and said, Tiny, those were the fucking days, and walked off. <laughs> good, good, Dan. Is that you know, good? That's great stories. Tiny, Speaking of those, tiny, those were the fucking days, and just walked off. Classic Sinatra, brother. Classic Sinatra, <laughs> baby. And Tiny laughed and laughed and laughed as he said that closing line. <laughs> that guy invented cool. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, speaking of uh, you were going kind of behind the, the scenes a little bit, what obviously you, you always get into the soul of a musician by their choice of music. What what kind of albums, records, music, what kind of stuff did 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 Tiny Tim listen to oh when, when he God. wasn't like what was his what was his go to? Only hey, very easy question. And thank you. Only old stuff, man. He didn't like anything new at all you know he respected everybody yeah 
every artist, Rod Stewart, the Beatles, you know, and all that. It, okay. He was into the genre of the 20s and 30s in vaudeville. Russ exactly. Columbo, you know, Russ Columbo and all those guys. Oh, my God. Here's a name. Wow. And that's what he did on stage. To mix it in wow. on his show, he would put in some, you know, relevant people at the time, you know what I mean? But he'd do it his own way, you know? Sure. Right. But all his, to answer your question specifically, all the old artists from the 20s and 30s, he loved him. He loved him. He loved him. And that's what he lived. And that's what he did on stage. Amazing. And he was wonderful at it, you know? Now, I, I, am, I am curious as a, a music lover myself, uh, his voice, some you know, and and I'll fight to the death over this. Vinyl is the best way to listen to music. His Absolutely. voice, something, something about it, it was like it was made for vinyl. I, I've I've heard him on CD. I've heard him on radio. Did, was that was that a purposeful choice, or is that just because of how good his music was that it just had that natural? Almost, you know, you if, if that question makes any sense, like his voice seems purposefully made for vinyl. Absolutely. Well, I think so, too, because he's an old school guy and he fit right in and he loved that shit. Yeah. You know, he really he loved, did. Steven. He, loved, he, really he, loved, he would tell he, me he loves putting the needle on the vinyl and hearing the little scratch, scratch, scratch. Exactly. Started. <laughs> that, that I got news for you. That's all part of to me and my mother. When I was growing up, my mother worked. For uh, Sony, which is now Sony Records, it was called Columbia Records. Yeah, my mother used to press records. That's what she did. Wow, she actually made the vinyl. What a history and you got, pal! <laughs> brother, I used to. She brought me bags and bags of of records home before they hit the stores. I would get them. Damn it! We should be interviewing him. I'm telling you what. <laughs> I'm but telling most you of the shows you, devolve into that anyway. But I, I'll tell you something. Though, but, but here's the thing, though. That's all part of that listening to that needle crackle at the beginning. Yes. Of a, that's all part of the listening experience. And Tiny Tim was made for that. He was born for that. You know. Yes, and I was. believe yeah. that certain artists are born for certain times. You know, and he really was. He really was born for that time. Um, you know, his age has always been in dispute. We're not going to dispute that now. It's nobody's business. Only a couple of people know the truth and that's, you know, but, uh, Angelo, what yeah. you just said, you're so right. Only a few people know his real age and I don't give a shit about his birth certificate. Yeah. You get me? I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. And the, the truth is that he was way, way ahead of his time. Before his time, he probably was an anomaly because he didn't fit in. I think, quite frankly, uh, he, like uh, several other musicians, artists I can name, and I think that happens from time to time is they're literally born at the wrong time, you know? Uh, Tiny was was born way way after he should have been. He he should have been born. He should have been a star in the twenties and thirties. Exactly. And he should have been in vaudeville. Can you imagine Tiny in vaudeville? He was 
custom made for vaudeville. Right. And that's what I'm getting at. He he should have been born at, at a time where he could have performed in the 20s and 30s with, you know, the Ted Healy acts and yes. Stooges and uh, George uh, and Gracie Allen Burns show Gracie Allen and you know right all those people or May West people forget May West started in vaudeville you know, people you know, people don't understand this some of the you know oh my god dude Stephen you and I are really giving away our shit now um, you know what I <laughs> love up, I love your show see you know what you're doing my friend Angelo. You're bringing back the real essence. The essence. You and Dan the Man and Vince are bringing back the essence, I believe, of what show business was built on. Exactly. And no. we've said it all along. Yep. See, and, and Dan and I will tell you, and we've told a lot of people this. We are a talk show that yep. happens to have the subtext of wrestling. We talk very little about wrestling. We talk a lot about people, though. Yep. And that's, that's why I like your separate. title, as we talked one time off stage, right? Your analogy, or maybe that's the wrong word, but wrestling with the future. Yeah. You can talk about anything. Exactly. We've it's talked open about to that. Any, any genre. Exactly. And this, in this case, we're wrestling with the future of music. Yeah, exactly, man. Isn't it cool? Plays off itself. I, I want to tell people, uh, and, and once again, I'm promo I want to promote your book, brother, because you're going to sell some more books. Well, that's nice. Book Baby is, needs shoes. Baby needs shoes. It's a great <laughs> book. It really is. It's a great book. The book is Tiny Tim and Mr. Plim, authored by Stephen M. Plim and Vivian Cooper. We have to say that legally because her name's on the cover. And she's a great gal and helped me yep. tremendously. Yep. And with with super ties to the music business, too, by the way. And uh, Steve Plim will be with us for at least, at least four episodes. Wow. This is episode one. I'm thinking of making Stephen Plim a regular feature here. I'm not. I'm going to have to talk to him about it and see if our budget can afford it because our budget is uh, a bag of chips and a yoo-hoo. <laughs> I, I got to tell you something, Angelo. Yes, no sir. Smoke, no smoke up your ass. I'm a straight shooter like you are. Thank you very much for having me on this show. I love telling my story and I love being interviewed by you and Dan the man and uh, your peeps, Ben, because you're all real. Yeah, you're, you're all real cats, and I dig we it. We keep it real around here. We really do, Steve. And I'll tell you what, and I, you know, uh, and I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to hook you up with Vince Russo. He is, like I said, he's a, a super tiny Tim fan. He gave us an hour tonight, but Stephen, that's really not enough time to to delve into tiny Tim as a, as a person, as a, uh, you know, as a guy you knew, and we barely scratched the surface tonight. That's part of why... We're going to have you back for three more episodes, at least wow. three more. Wow. One of those episodes, I'm going to tell everybody right now, one of those episodes is going to be Management 101. It's going to be Stephen <laughs> Plim. Management, shut up, Stephen. Management 101. <laughs> the, Stephen, you're going to learn from Stephen M. Plim 
what to do and what not to do in the realm of show business and personnel management. You could also call that, Angelo, babysitting 101. There you go. And, <laughs> and psychiatry exactly. 101, okay? Stephen, how, that's a great segue, too. How much holding of the hand did you have to do with Tiny? Did you have to hold his hand a lot? Because he seemed like a just a big, lovable kid. But like innocent. Psychologically, look, I had so many unbelievable conversations. He's so deep, so complex, man. I ain't shitting you, right? And sometimes when he would get down and I could tell, you know, I used to sit and tell him, I said, Tiny, listen to me. Listen to me. He goes, I'm a failure. I'm going down. I'm not the big star I used to be. Oh, my God. And all this shit, right? And I'd say, let me ask you a question. When you walk in a restaurant, and I've been with you for the years, who comes up to you, gives you the first table? Who comes up to you and kisses your butt? How many people come and surround the table and watch your autograph? Do you think they do that to normal people? You're blessed. You're blessed. Look Mm -hmm. at what you have. None of us civilians have that. You have that. Because you're Tiny Tim, and you made an impression and a mark on people's lives, and they want to touch you. They want to feel you. Hi, I watched you and Carson being married to Miss Vicky. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They'd stand in line, man. When we were, mm-hmm. like, at the Plaza Hotel, okay, Trump's place, right? Yeah. <laughs> the famous Oak Room, right? Yeah. We'd be sitting there having drinks, right? Hoity-toity, right? When Broadway shows would club, you know, get out. Here's all these people, rich, 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 rich people, tuxes, gowns, everything, right? They're coming into the Oak Room, standing in line like children to touch him, to get his autograph, to say, I, and they all say the same thing, you know? I saw you married on the Tonight Show. Oh my God, you're wonderful. How, who, where's Miss Vicky? Blah 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 blah. They all asked the same questions. They didn't know that, of course, but they all did. And Tiny and I used to, and and when it would be over, Tiny would say, and it was so apropos. Tiny would say, "Mr. Plim, isn't this unbelievable? All of these rich, rich people in tuxes after the Broadway shows come and stand in line like children." <laughs> To get my autograph. Yet, yet, they won't pay $20 to come to my show. <laughs> you know what? That's that's you really interesting, that? he too. He was so right. You dig it? He had it, man. He had the handle on it. Right? They're too proud to buy a ticket to watch Tiny Tim. But boy, did they line up and want a free autograph and a picture, you know. Hypocrites, yeah. hypocrites. Oh, fuck them. That's crazy. Mm. But but Tiny got it. See, he got it. Well, I tell you what, we will, we will uh, at this point, end part one of Stephen M. Plim. Before we do, we will thank our sponsor, Daniel. Yes, sir. So um, let's uh, let's thank our friends at Manscaped. Well, I mean, uh, we had a fun conversation today talking about Tiny Tim and and his, uh, I guess if you want to 
be at home, you can take care of your own Tiny Tim with our friends at Manscaped.com. Manscaped is the uh, world's leading producer of Manscaped products, including now the Lawnmower 3.0, as well as their odorizers and the ball spray, which I personally love. You can use the promo code WRESTLINGFUTURE for 20% off your per, any purchase, 20% off for code WRESTLINGFUTURE. Manscaped.com, that's uh, Manscaped.com and WRESTLINGFUTURE. Your balls will thank you. Well, thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful. Stephen Plim, thank you, my friend. You are a, uh, have fast become a very close friend. You are my twin brother from a different mother. <laughs> we have, a, we have very interesting conversations and I'm going to leave it at that. Well, I got to say this in closing, guys. Dan yes, the Man sir. and Angelo, um, I want to sincerely thank you for having me here. This is a joy to talk about my book and Tiny Tim. I mean, I loved him. He was my great friend. And thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to being back on your show whenever you want me. You will be back uh, probably in two weeks. <laughs> well, is, the next, is when you are next slated to appear. Okay. I'm, I'm with you, baby. Sounds on good. behalf of Stephen Plim and Tiny Tim, <laughs> on behalf of Dan the Man, I'm Angelo DeCipio. Thanks for joining us and happy wrestling, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Thank